Amen. Jesus climbs into this boat immediately after telling his disciples to follow him. This is right after. So the disciples hear the Sermon on the Mount. They see Jesus cleanse a leper. He heals the centurion servant. The disciples still don't get it. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go, says one scribe. Another disciple says, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. It is popular, even more popular in recent years, to just sort of berate the disciples, to call them foolish, arrogant, slow. And while it's possible to overemphasize this, it is not altogether untrue. Scripture gives us a model of learning by way of the disciples. It is a slow learning process. It's a patient one. It takes time. And for this reason, the evangelist does not call the twelve, he does not call them apostles, but rather disciples. They are not yet sent ones, but they are still learning ones. The twelve are yet seminarians. They have not begun their vicarage year. And the seminary model is based after this. Um, though in our humbleness, we admit that our seminary training isn't quite the same as learning from Jesus. So we have three years and then another year of, of internship. But I digress. The best way that the church can mimic our Lord, as far as teaching goes, is this patient model. To be loving and gentle. New Christians are told, follow me, not only to the font, not only until confirmation, but follow me. And continue following me forever. Even to persecution, even to death, even to death on the cross. So the disciples are told by their Lord, follow me. And they do just that. They follow him into a boat. Now hindsight being 2020, we can see that Jesus wasn't prophesying climbing into a boat. He was prophesying his own cross and passion. How does he foreshadow his cross and passion, but with an earthquake? The same great event that will occur at his death, when the earth quakes, the temple curtain tears, graves open, the dead leave their tombs to preach the gospel. And certainly at this moment, on Good Friday, the disciples who, remember, fled the presence of their Lord at, the, at his arrest, recalled that day in the boat. They're cowering and Hiding from the hordes, protesting and smashing storefronts because of recent political events. <clears throat> they felt the earthquake. And they again heard the words of Jesus, Why do you fear, O you of little faith? And on Good Friday, when the disciples were filled with fear during an earthquake, what was our Lord doing? He was asleep. His corpse yet hanging on the cross. We are perishing, cry out those of little faith, as they see their Lord be laid into a grave. It's actually possible that Matthew had been taking notes throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. Remember, Matthew is a tax collector. I would say that it's very likely that he began writing his gospel during uh, Jesus' preaching and teaching. So it's possible, therefore, that there was a written account of Jesus calming the storm by the time of the crucifixion. It is possible that as Jesus lies sleeping in the grave, these disciples reread what they had gleaned from their time with him. 
soon after rereading the Sermon on the Mount, these disciples, these learners, now candidates for ordination, came across this somewhat obscure passage of Jesus calling the storm on the boat. In retrospect, they may have even laughed at their fear. The Sea of Galilee today, uh, in a car, takes about 35 minutes to drive all the way around. At the widest, it's 8 miles, and it's uh, from the northern point to the southern point, it's 13 miles. So even if this boat was overtaken by a storm, at the very most, it would be 4 miles from the shore. I'm not saying 4 miles is easy to swim, but it's the only body of fresh water in the area. There's fishermen all over the place. There is such a small chance of them dying that they had to laugh and they read themselves shouting, we are perishing in this tiny lake. Even as the secular world sees it, they were in no immediate danger. And yet, even with the one who created the heavens and all the powers therein on the boat with them, they were cowards. And their chuckles turned to sorrow when they reread the words of Jesus. Oh, you little faith. The same Jesus that told them the faith of a mustard seed could move a mountain told them that they had little faith. He doesn't say you have no faith. He doesn't say you stand in a state of condemnation. The sin of being cowardly is rarely a mortal sin, but it does reveal where trust lies. Not in Jesus, but in earthly comfort. Cowardly men call themselves Christians all the time. Save us, we are perishing, we call out to God when our house goes into foreclosure. Save us, we are perishing when our political candidate doesn't get elected. Save us, we are perishing when we experience pain and illness and suffering. But in those moments, we are to hear the voice of our Lord, follow me. Follow me into this foreclosure. Follow me into poverty. Follow me into political discomfort, to unrest in times of war. Follow me into sickness and pain and suffering. Be joined to me in your suffering. And it, it's really not that profound to preach of a Jesus who can calm your storms. And there may be some comfort in that, but it's a false comfort. Jesus says, why do you fear, O you of little faith? Yes, to be sure, Jesus calmed the storm, but does it take such a great amount of faith to marvel? Not when Jesus miraculously pays off all the debt on your house, but when he strengthens you with his word and sacrament so that you can bear forth and continue providing for your family. Can we not give thanks to God that we are counted worthy to suffer with him, Rather than pretending that a stubbed toe, a broken bone, or a cancer diagnosis is somehow proof of God's disfavor with us. The men on the boat marvel at Jesus' lordship over nature. Jesus was reconciling creation to <coughs> Not only Jews, not only men who already believed, but the entire world, all of creation was being recapitulated. The same voice that said, let there be light, now calms the wind and returns the land to the same calmness as there was before the sea. And so as the disciples sat there on 
Good Friday, tears in their eyes, locked away, reading Matthew's diary entries, they remembered this storm. As Jerusalem quaked below them, they recalled the words of our Lord, Why do you fear? They knew that he was dead. They wouldn't try to rouse him from his sleep this time. But instead, they would gather. And this Good Friday would be the first divine service, the celebration of the Blessed Sacrament that only 24 hours earlier they had received. And as many here know, when, when you're in mourning, time just sort of passes in a different way. For the disciples, it was like the blink of an eye between Good Friday afternoon and that Saturday night. The next conscious mo uh, moment for these mourning disciples was another earthquake at daybreak on Sunday. Soon after, Mary Magdalene comes running to the room shouting, I have seen the Lord. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And then Jesus appears in the room and says, Peace be with you. The same word that another evangelist uses that Jesus says to the storm. He says, Peace. And so he says to the disciples, when he appears, Peace be with you. And then if you remember the Easter narrative, what happens next? They all go fishing. They go back to the place where Jesus calmed the storm, the place of this great epiphany miracle. And when they find the resurrected Christ, he says to Peter, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to. As this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And then our Lord's final words in this discourse on Easter Day. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me to the font. Follow me to this altar. Follow me to the Mount of Transfiguration. Follow me to Ash Wednesday. Follow me through the long and arduous trek through Lent. Follow me to my cross. Suffer with me. Be with me in my passion. Follow me into the grave. And follow me on Easter morning to the glorious resurrection and the life of the world to come. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.